Hello and welcome to the new episode of Dynamics Update. This week we are going to talk about 10.0.23 and with me as usual I have Gustav Sundblad. Hello Gustav. Hello, hello Johan. Did you have a nice Halloween? Yes, I have kids. So uh, I was out actually out running when they were trick-or-treating, so I didn't have to walk with them instead. So that, that was oh, okay. Right. That's so. nice. Yeah, I was out trick-or-treating as well. So I had a lot of lot of fun and a lot of candy as well. So we'll see if we make this like a Halloween special episode where we can discuss our favorite horror stories from AX or 365. <laughs> <laughs> Save that for the ending, perhaps. Yes, absolutely. So 23, not really that much of a, of a big release, right? I mean, there are some things we will discuss, but not that, not a major rollout, right? No, I'm, I'm actually thinking that, that this is one of these uh, in-between releases. And also, I think that it has to do with the fact that uh, Microsoft Ignite is this week. So I'm thinking that they will probably have some uh, announcements during Ignite, which means that they are probably holding some things back in this release. Yeah, most likely. But I was able to find a number of things as well. So I think that this will be will um, make due of the time, right? Yes, absolutely. So uh, you, you can start, I think. Okay, nice. Uh, I'll, I'll start with my favorite topic, the commerce uh, features coming in. And um, I'll start with my, not like a priority list here, but one of the nice things I saw coming is the office integration for email templates for transactional events. Uh, and it sounds like a, like office integration. I've never more used that more than like press control or export Excel. Uh, but this is actually pretty nice. It's um, uh, whenever something happens or occurs in the engine, like um, order is ready for pickup or order is placed, you can now trigger and configure email being sent to customers. You you could do this earlier as well, but usually you had to rely on third-party services as well as um, customization of, of the events or triggering it and, and like calling an external API. And it's really nice. And it's, I mean, something you expect from any retailer nowadays that whenever you place an order online or in post, doesn't really matter. Uh, as long as you identify as a customer, you get an email. Um, and it also provides upsell I mean, the email templates themselves, uh, and I don't, I didn't see any text about it at, at least, but um, as a function, it can provide upsell as well by communication to the customer. So it's really nice thing. And again, something we've just been discussing on this podcast that it makes um, uh, makes sense to kind of have this as a nice to have feature in Dynamics. Otherwise, you have to rely on third-party services to, to communicate um, whenever something occurs in the system. So it's nice. Yes, absolutely. Really nice. Uh, so my, my first one is actually related to to uh, the web client, the, the client window. Uh, and the first one is actually how it handles uh, attachments. Uh, before you open the attachment within like a, um, an iframe, uh, that's what, what it's called technically. Um, but now you can actually have it open and attachments in a separate window. So it's it's actually... You stay on the page you were at when you opened the attachment, right? That's what it, I mean in the background at least. You stay on the page, but then you open... Yeah, the exactly. Window. The page is still yeah. there, but you open the attachment in another window. So you can put it beside the actual... You can see both of them at the same time. That's, that's yeah, the exactly. main difference. It, it, before it loaded it instead of the the page you were looking at and now it's loading it in a separate window 
which means that for instance if you if you want to look at like if you want to compare multiple invoices for instance you can actually open them and put them side by side instead of having to deal with the browser tabs and and all of that so that's that's nice it's it's easier it's more maybe more intuitive yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. It sounds like a small feature, but in, in for a lot of people use, working a lot with attachments, I think it would save some time or at least make the system more understandable. So yeah, very good minor feature coming as well. Um, so uh, going back to commerce, I, I had two favorite topics on the commerce one. And another one is quite technical. It's the uh, um, well pricing computation performance. Um, so in Dynamics, you can configure discounts and number of discount types, you know, like a different, um, uh, well, quantity based or uh, three for two, etc. But a lot of these are configurable or all of them are configurable on a hierarchy, right? So you can set it like all products have 20% discount or only this particular node of the hierarchy and all products underneath it or nodes underneath it um, carry the discount. That's common practice, but um, the computation engine has been trying, has been using like lookups where this category, which other categories does it contain, etc. So a lot of, uh, a lot of computation logic goes into that. And, and this, this new um, feature uh, improves performance by using flattened discount tables, basically denormalizing the export um, in the export to channel DB. It doesn't really, I haven't really been able to test this, but um, I would imagine it's done in the um, transfer from backend to the channel database. And it's a nice feature because I know for a fact that this can be very performance intense if you have a lot of discounts configured in the commerce engine because you have to look it up and you have to, if you have a complex merchandise hierarchy that can be very computationally intense. Um, and with that said, it sounds nice with flattened tables, but Again, if you have a complex setup where you have performance issues with these uh, hierarchies, you might also, um, I haven't been able to test this again, so you might see that when you denormalize it, you take the amount of products times the amount of channels, etc. So it would be interesting to see how, how much data uh, and if it affects the, the um, uh, replication um, of data from backend to, um, to channel DB. But it's a nice thing because I know this has been an issue in, in some instances before. Yes. Uh, so my next feature here is is actually also a, a client feature, which has to do with how the new grid uh, works. Uh, we have discussed mm -hmm. this before and, and uh, talked about the fact that it's going more and more towards being like Excel. You can lock uh, columns in place, you can scroll certain columns and so on. And now uh, there is actually a feature that you can double click on the column and make it re auto resize to fit the... <laughs> The, what's in it and and um, so you don't have to have this this strange hash marks when it can't display what's in it so uh, that's actually a good thing and I, I mean it's it's the same as the one I, I talked about before that mm. it's it's more like something that someone is used to working with and I think yeah. that's that's a good point because I have said this before I haven't worked that long with AX2012 I'm not like a like a AX2012 senior as Gustav is, but one of the things that I actually realized when I started working with ERP systems, and, and I have another example that one of my previous companies, we actually used Yves to uh, like time report. And what I realized with ERP systems is that, that even though you have 20 years of experience with IT software, IT infrastructure, Windows, mm. Office, that's not worth anything in an ERP system because it almost never works as you're used to. 
it works in its own magic way, which is, yeah. I think it's, I mean, I, I understand it because this software is developed by people who aren't used to working with software. They, they are developed primarily for people who are working with finance, with retail, with warehouse, with, with the business, <laughs> which, is, it's, which is not UI designers mainly. They are working towards a UI that is as easy as possible for them to work with. So, I mean, there were yeah, like this, I mean, these magic uh, <clears throat> shortcuts, which which aren't documented. You need to know them. Mm. You Someone needs to have told you they're not logical because that doesn't exist in, in any other software. But they work. They work really, really well. I mean, AX, an example there is, is, I think it's like, Control G, where you can filter on a column, extremely yeah, easy. Of course, the Google, the Google functionality of AX twenty twelve. That's uh, Control G. Just Google it. <laughs> exactly, but you you need to in in Excel, you need to put in a filter. You need to define a data yeah, area. Course. But in this case, you just Control G, type whatever, and and you're there, which is really yeah. really good. But the problem is that if you haven't worked with it before, then you're lost. You're gone. You don't know it. So I think this is really good that that uh, both keeping the old ERP feature set and adding things that might make it easier for people coming from other ERP systems and from especially from the office. Yeah, exactly. I would say that that as, as well. The, the especially the office um, the office compatibility. I think we discussed this before on the pod as well. The whole the new grid. It's been up a number of times um, and. That we suspect that we're bringing Excel into into three six five, but it makes perfect sense. I mean, the, this whole the Control G function in twenty twelve is possible because it's a client, right? Because the data is cached on the client side, so you could you could arguably do that as well in in um, on, on the browser. But it's it's a different thing, so you you kind of have to use with different tools. And um, even though this sounds like a very minor feature that you can double click and it auto scales the width. Um, I can really, I can really picture like a, a sales meeting or a proof of concept or whatever, where you can actually visually show, okay, this is really, it's very similar to Excel, so adaptability will be easier, specifically for finance departments. So it's it's a nice thing, and you can do calculations as well in the new grid. So I mean, it's a small thing, but it's very clear that we're bringing Excel into uh, or excel grid functionality basically into 365 and the whole 365 suite basically as long as we don't implement visual basic or uh, I mean, enable macros or stuff like that that would be a real halloween horror story <laughs> i think it's all it's all good for that we are using uh power automate uh, yeah full yep. aot integration of visual basic, right <laughs> exactly but um, but as, as you said i mean making it more intuitive i mean i i often argue for the fact that we should keep we should try to keep some people outside of the ERP system and only keep the people actually working in ERP in ERP. But the, I yeah. mean, making it more intuitive is, is the other route. Then we can actually let people in and they actually know how to use the system. Exactly. And I mean, a lot of other um, scenarios are available in the Power Platform as well. So this is just a nice feature and it makes sense to, to harmonize as much as possible with the other Office 365 products, I would say. Yep. So um, yeah, very cool. Cool. Uh, your next one? Yeah, I have the uh, one of the, of the um, uh, tax. It's not maybe a favorite subject, but I think it's interesting. Specifically, the microservice. We, I think we discussed this before as well. The tax calculation service, which is not generally available yet. I think it's still in preview. The the tax calculation service, but it's uh, it's really cool. It's a nice little clear set of operations where you can isolate and put it in a microservice where you 
pass in uh, well VAT codes, etc., items, transactions, etc., and you get back the actual tax calculated because it's so many different rule sets depending on different countries and. Uh, in some countries, if it's a different, <laughs> if it's full moon, it's a different tax set. I don't know, but the point is, it's a very clear isolated set. And the, the in version ten twenty three, we get out of the box integration with the free text invoice, which I know is used in a lot of scenarios. So, what's interesting is that the the integration towards tax calculation service for free text invoice is generally available in December. Uh, but I don't know when the tax calculation service in itself is generally available. Um, I think it might be the same date, but if you're trying to use this, make sure you understand when the tax calculation service in itself is actually available. Um, but it's a very, very cool set of components and hopefully it will, um, again, I, I think this is just a guess. I have no data to, to support this, but a guess from my end is a majority um, of the customization hours and cost gone into ERP systems have been on making sure that tax is calculated properly. I've seen so many reports that are customized with, to calculate correct tax. So I think the, the microservice in itself is a very nice way forward to kind of remove that complexity from the um, from the core ERP code base at least. Yes, uh, so, so my next feature is actually a finance feature and the problem here is it's a feature that I don't even know what it means. So, and I, I, I'm guessing that many of my colleagues now, especially <laughs> the finance people, are just shaking their heads and thinking, please shut up. But the whole <laughs> thing here is actually not about the actual feature, but it's actually about the configuration of the feature, which is interesting. Because this, this has to do with revenue recognition. So revenue recognition is a, is a module feature that is available in mm -hmm. Dynamics and has been forever. Um, yeah. And what, what's actually happening here is that before you used to have a license key, which you turn on or off, a configuration key, which you turn on or off to enable and disable revenue recognition. The thing is that yeah. they are actually moving this from the license key into feature management, which I actually mm -hmm. think is, is a is, is a way that they're going. And they're actually deprecating the license key in this case and move it, moving it into feature management instead. Because right now we have feature management and we have license keys, which basically does the same. The, one of them works for new features and one of them works for old features. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, if you think about it like you, like you do here, I mean, the license key is like a legacy uh, from the old setup where you had license keys and license configuration. So I, I understand it's hard to kind of break that out. But that's another topic we might, I think we should revisit um, moving on the soft uh, seal or the soft uh, imposement of license um, licenses. Uh, whereas it makes total sense to not have a license configuration key and also enable it by a feature. So either you're a licensed user or you're not, but then the feature in itself should be configured a different way. So that makes sense. But I think it will be um, take some time for them to, to phase that out because it's so built into the system. I, if you look at the code base, at least a lot, a lot of functionalities still controlled that way. But um, uh, yeah, it makes total sense to not have duplicate control. <laughs> Uh, so, so one of the things that, that actually made me think about was we discussed a couple of episodes ago about uh, feature management, especially about localized features. And we had a discussion whether or not you should or you shouldn't enable localized features that you are not using 
because my argument was Gustav's argument was that if you're not using it, you should have it disabled. My argument was that <laughs> if you are not using it, you might as well, well enable it because it won't affect anything because you're not using that country. And Microsoft has actually, through their Yammer uh, forums, come out with, with sort of a statement that they are going to build all of the new uh, localized features in a way that if you, ha if, you don't, if you don't have a legal entity with that localization set, these features will not be used whatsoever. There will be no dependencies to them whatsoever, which means that Microsoft's view on this is that you should you should turn them on. <laughs> yeah, you should turn them on, but they won't be used. Basically. No, no, no. That's... Since you don't have a company that is for yeah. Italy, for instance, Italian features won't be used, but you should still turn them on. They will still be... Because <laughs> what we discussed, you and I, was if they yeah. were to be on by default. And exactly, what Microsoft, right? Microsoft is saying right now is that they will put them to on by default once they pass the time limit for on by default, and they will also put them to mandatory once they pass the mandatory limit. Okay, now I understand. I, I didn't get what you, what you meant there with the first statement. Okay, uh, okay but then, then basically that's it. Then they should be enabled. My my, um, I don't really remember arguing that hard for it. I think it's all a matter of test testing on the same um, set of features that Microsoft is testing on, if you can. But I know, for, I mean, a lot of these controls are on um, country, like if Russia or if Italy, etc. So as long as that is in place in the code, uh, then I would trust this feature to not kick in, even if it's an, even if it's active. But again, it all boils down to, to your test cases, right? I mean, it doesn't really matter if it's enabled or not, as long as what you want to avoid is it being automatically enabled when you've been testing on it being disabled. And by, for some reason, you don't catch it. So the, with that said, it makes total sense to leave them on. I mean, yeah. or at least make sure that you activate them and you test with them activated because you never know if someone forgot that check um, or that if statement with the ESO code. <laughs> what I'm thinking here is that I think that Microsoft's goal in this case is to have one code base. Everyone should yeah. be running on one code base. Yeah, there, of course. there should be no differences. I mean, you see it everywhere. You see it in the in the uh, forced updates that you have only hmm. two two uh, updates, three updates that you can skip, and then you need to take the next one. Uh, yeah, you see course. it in the fact that that all updates are cumulative, so you can't skip an update. You can't take a, s a selected update. You need to take everyone. Um, mm. And and I mean, features is basically the same thing. If you disable a feature, then you are on a different code base than someone else. So the whole point, I think, is is eventually that yeah. you shouldn't be on a different code base. The the feature management is temporary, and nothing else. Yeah, I mean, the feature management has always been there in the form of fighting keys, right? I mean, it's but now we have like three controlling steps. We have uh, the country uh, ISO code uh, check that you have in certain localization features. We have the feature, and we also have the localization. <laughs> so, oh, sorry, the, 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 the license configuration. Um, so I understand perfectly that a harmonization is needed here, but uh, it's also uh, something that takes time. So I, I think 
to summarize, it makes sense to, to follow Microsoft's recommendation, of course, to keep them enabled. Make sure you enable them before you start your test iterations. Yeah, yeah of course, of course. And and uh, and try to to empty the list of features that are not enabled. That's, I think, the point. <laughs> exactly. yeah. So your next one? Uh, I only have one remaining, actually. It's not, not a big one. It's a feature of the, uh, again, going back to my, well, our favorite topic, the microservices, the supply chain uh, scale unit, uh, basically. I just noticed one of the features coming here, um, they're moving different logical groupings of processes, right? And one of them is the support for release to warehouse of outbound orders. So again, this boils down a little bit to commerce or whatever sales channels that you have that you can build up demand and then you can have a process of order management and release it to warehouse. That I mean, that's doable today, but now you can release it and release it to, from the hub directly to the scale unit and the orders will be fulfilled in the scale unit and then report it back. So um, it's just one more step towards the way of full usage of like isolated scale units where you can fully work independently, but you still get your uh, the flow of uh, actual work coming in from from uh, my dynamics in this case. But I mean, you could use a number of sources, I, I believe, as long as you flow it to the scale unit. So just as a minor detail coming in here, but it's uh, it's nice. Yes. Yeah. So I don't have any anything else today either. So no, um, right. maybe we should bring up one of the horror stories. Um, I mean, one of the <laughs> one horror, which might be a horror, as uh, I noticed that the AX twenty twelve R three um, mainstream support extended now, or not the extended, it expired now, October twelfth, I think, or thirteenth, um, I believe. I think still extended support is still there, but uh, that's maybe a horror story, depending on <laughs> who you ask. Yes. <clears throat> I think that that uh, many people were hoping for an extension or something like that, because it it uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I I think that there are a lot of companies companies out there that aren't really ready to to move over. No, I understand, that. So, and I think extended support is also there, but the uh, the mainstream support officially ended on October twelfth. I think. All right, I think that was it for me as well. Yes, yeah, so that's it for us for today. Uh, a bit shorter, uh, hoping to get uh, some news from Ignite and uh, we'll be back in the next uh, release episode. We are also trying to, to uh, book some of uh, the interviewees for the pod. So if, you're, you're, if you have someone that you're interested in, uh, just send us an email at dynamicsupdate at engagegroup.se and we will try to uh, book them and uh, see Thank what you. they have to say. Very That's nice. Cool. Have yep. a nice evening. Thank you. you. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye.